You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a podcast that will help you succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another awesome episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. I am your fearless leader, Andrew Lowen, and I am joined by Sean the, the Maestro. I don't know. Jamie Stegmeier of Stonemeyer Games asked us to put together just some advice for somebody that has the desire to launch a, a Kickstarter campaign, but prefers to hire out certain responsibilities to make the load a little lighter and the burden a little easier, because really there is quite a lot to do if you're going to run a Kickstarter campaign. I'm going to make the assumption that most people listening to this are not wealthy Saudi princes and they have a finite amount of income. So that is kind of the perspective that we're going to be taking. That's why Jeff Bezos is not for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this advice would not be for Elon Musk. I don't know. It might be. He just spent all his money on Twitter. But the other assumption that I'm going to make is that you are willing to engage in the business side of board game self-publishing. There are some people that we speak with that really are looking to outsource every single business-related thing because they love the game design, they love the game development, they love the creativity of it all. They do not like the idea of accounting and running a business and logistics and fulfillment and, and all, all of that, uh, collecting money and- Taxes. And, yeah, and taxes. So the first bit, I want to I wanna issue a disclaimer to this podcast. So there are some people that we've talked to that have this mindset of, I want to just outsource all the business and I want to do all of the fun creative stuff. If that is you, you should really think about bringing on a, well, pitching a publisher with your idea. The thing is publishing companies exist to do the business side of board games. And as many of you listening to this that our publishers know, the fun of designing board games is you kind of have to battle to keep that in your list of activities that you do each day, because there really is so much to handle as far as the business side. So again, you know, if this is you and you're looking to outsource everything, you should probably not launch your own Kickstarter and uh, because that's going to force you to become a business person. If you're not ready to do that, if you're not willing to, to, to learn, if you're not willing to take on some of that responsibility... In my opinion, there's there are very few roads to profitability, you know, when when somebody's not looking to actually take on the business work. So you can't outsource everything, but you can outsource some. Sean, what do we what can you outsource? So we've broken down things into, I suppose, two categories. Things which can be outsourced, which doesn't mean you ought to outsource them. There's just things which really you can outsource and might be beneficial to you. And then there's things that you that should be outsourced. So that's how we've sort of broken it into, which again, doesn't say that uh, you can't outsource it, but you probably should outsource it. So that's sort of the perspective that we're coming from. We're not sort of being hardline or dogmatic. It's more like, this is what, this is what mm -hmm. can, this is what ought. That's, that's what we yeah. break, break me down to. You know, maybe so, we should mention, uh, you know, we are a digital marketing agency and we market Kickstarter campaigns. We don't do everything. I, we, I'm also a, a publisher. I do, or I published, a, well, I have my first title that we published last uh, year on Kickstarter. Uh, we funded uh, Deliverance and 
So I have some experience there, but we are a marketing agency. So we do web design, you know, organic and paid advertising and email marketing for clients that go to Kickstarter and, and all of that. We don't do all of these things, but I mean, you know, if you want to hire us for some of these things, <laughs> that's what we do. So I just thought it'd be uh, good to issue a disclaimer. We're going to try to just remain as objective as possible, but I wanted everybody that might be new to the podcast to just understand right up front. That's, that's what we do. We're crowdfunding nerds. We crowdfund games for nerds and also we are nerds. So, Hey, you're calling a nerd. nerd. <laughs> are you a gladiator in World of Warcraft? Or? <laughs> Richard, Richard right now is in the wilderness fighting with cougars. So we'd probably yeah, like he's leveling him. up against coyotes right yeah, now. Yeah, just with his bare hands, just boxing them. Hey guys, it's SEO is... Just a second. Nice kitty. Stay right there, kitty. Nice. Stay. Good kitty. SEO Wizard Rick here, just to stay, I'm unable to make the podcast this week. Because I'm enjoying this beautiful mountain scenery. But it looks like I accidentally picked up some cat heat spray instead of repellent. Uh, I, I hope I make it. Uh, please tell my family to... <laughs> Okay, so I suppose we just bullet point it and then we can stop off at them. So we'll just uh, get on the horse, as they say, or on the Epic Mount. <laughs> yes. Things which can be outsourced. Art, this includes uh, illustration with the graphic design or layout of your Kickstarter page, all the kind of creative artistic visual stuff that can be outsourced. Paid advertising, this could include your Facebook ads, your running your different ad campaigns or Board Game Geek or you know, contacting different vendors for, for ads. Email sending, that includes writing emails, setting up automations, getting those out. Web development, you need a landing page of some sort to direct people, to tell people about your game, and then get email. Consulting, so instead of reading a bunch of books yourself or asking out Facebook groups and spending a lot of time, you could just pay someone to consult you. If you can tell you all that stuff, an hour would, would take you months to learn. So then we have the Kickstarter video and we actually interviewed Mr. Game Labs to talk about Kickstarter video production is what they specialize in. And this can also include animated GIFs or GIFs, if you like, which can be used throughout your marketing and then specifically in your Kickstarter page, but also in your, your rule book or like a digital rule book in the future. Then we have game design. You don't have to actually design your game. We've marketed games by people who outsourced the game design to a third party and then they, they did everything else. That, that in essence makes you a publisher of somebody else's product. And yeah, <laughs> that's a fair way to go. You know, even if it's your first product. Then we have logistics. We're a partner with ShipQuest. They're based in the UK and they sort of have specialized in dealing with board games in Europe and specifically in the UK and in Germany. I think they have two bases so they can handle all your VAT. And then we have playthroughs. You can either... Do them yourself, which I think is great. You can do your own playthrough, but you can also outsource it to other people. So that's the things which can be outsourced. And then, you know, um, in, in addition to that, maybe also the game development. A lot of the time when somebody is going to Kickstarter, they've got this concept that's been really well play tested and that kind of thing. But then when it comes, you know, after their Kickstarter or during the Kickstarter, they need 
so to do some development to make sure that, hey, campaign mission number one, I need to be able to show campaign mission number one before, you know, the end of the campaign or whatever. You, you can actually bring people on that will help you with that as game developers. A lot of the time, you know, you should probably have those relationships before you go live. Um, that's That's also another thing. Probably be the only time I and, mention it. It's a small one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, one thing we're actually we're also talking about in terms of art, you really want the first contact with your game to be as professional, as slick as possible, because the first time someone's been in contact with you. And then as people go further down your funnel, you can show more of yourself, more of your personality. And we've seen great results where we've run we've run ads which at the beginning, very slick professional box art, you know, great images. But then we do a retargeting campaign where we will reach those people again, but it'll be with like a really kind of amateur video of an unboxing. It's literally, you know, the creator on their webcam <laughs> just unboxing their game and talking about it. And the conversion rates on those have been phenomenal because it's the second touch point or the third touch point. That's an uh, that's maybe a bit of a hybrid approach where you've outsourced some of the creatives, but then you've taken on board the um, like an unboxing video, which you can still use in your marketing. So that's something to keep in mind that there's there's certain things that you can still do that can be very effective, and you don't have to spend lots of money on it. Yeah, and I think that you know, really as a business owner, as a creative going to Kickstarter, part of the ingenuity of what it is that you're going to do is you know, I guess part of the genius of you as the self-publisher is to find inexpensive ways to effectively produce things that would otherwise cost a lot of money. And just to use an iPhone or, an, you know, Androids probably have better cameras to use like a, a phone to record a playthrough, an unboxing, you know, other things like that, even, you know, sitting in front of your own webcam and talking. I mean, for me, I used a lot of those tools because I wanted that content, but I just didn't have the money. And now, you know, board gamers really, you know, it's not like you need to have the production levels of the Batman or anything like that, you know, but a triple A, you know, high level Hollywood film, they're just looking, you know, our, um, your audience, you keep in mind who your audience is. They're, they're board gamers. They want to see the game. So it's not about how flashy you can make it, but it's about presenting your product and demonstrating your product. So, you know, the best way to do that is just to get a camera in front, you know, and, and film your product. So the, you know, but before we kind of go on and dive into these areas that can be outsourced, and also we'll talk about areas that should not be outsourced. I feel like we need to frame this in a little bit to help people understand, you know, so that we, I guess, can se separate two very critical pieces of a Kickstarter campaign. One, I call, one is the pre-marketing. And then the other one would be, you know, when you actually launch your Kickstarter campaign, the, the pre-marketing can't, it, it should be something that everybody does for their crowdfunding campaign. You want to make sure that by the time you actually launch, you have a crowd that will help you fund. Like you do not want to finish creating your product and then saying, all right, the game is done. I'm ready for Kickstarter. Now all I need to do is market. That to me is, a, you know, and I'm a marketer, I'm going to probably think about things or, and it, I'm probably going to have a more severe attitude toward this just because of my profession. But I feel like it's a failure if you as a designer or as a, a publisher go and say, hey, this product is finished. All we need to do is market it. And you, you don't have an established, you know, channel. I mean, it's 
different when you're somebody like, let's say, Jamie Stegmeyer with Stonemaier Games. He can actually craft a product, pay for the uh, the manufacturing, ship it, and then when it's you know a week out from fulfillment, or or rather a month or two out from fulfillment, he has an established audience that he's worked hard to develop that is ready. So his announcement has already a wide reception uh, prepared to receive it. So for the new creator that's like, hey, I have an email list of 100 people or less, and most of them are friends and family or you know, maybe business networking group that I just threw everybody's email in that I was a part of or you know, that kind of thing, those, those are not going to be high quality leads or, and there's certainly not enough of them to fund your campaign. So um, a lot of the time people rely on the large amount of organic traffic on Kickstarter to just see their game, find it's incredible, and then, you know, just they'll, you know, make them raise a million dollars and go viral. That's not a great way to plan for, I guess it's not, it should not be in your plans to be one of the the 1% of campaigns that go viral. You should plan, you should control what you're able to and and build your crowd before you actually launch your Kickstarter campaign. And a lot of that can be outsourced. That's really kind of where we specialize. We have this concept we call the virtuous cycle, cycle, cycle. GM. Which, by the way, is I believe it's like episode fourteen or fifteen of our of this podcast. I highly recommend anybody that's considering going to Kickstarter to listen to that podcast. It will teach you how to develop a system that will really capitalize on all the effort that you put in to market your game before you actually launch. This is something that you can outsource. You can outsource somebody building a landing page for you to show the quality of your game. You can outsource, of course, the graphic design that, that goes into that landing page. A lot of you know board gamers have artists that design really beautiful looking paintings or you know digital paintings, and those are great on the landing page. But then your email marketing, you really need to inform your audience about what it is that you do. And email marketing is the best way to do that. For, for us, the email list is something that you should build. It's the most important asset that you have as a company because it allows you to win the right to communicate with your fans across multiple different mediums. A lot of people will just say, oh, I'll just send people to my Kickstarter pre-launch page. And you have like, you know, 500 followers or a thousand or 5,000 followers, whatever it is, you cannot communicate with those people until after you launch. So, and that's really unfortunate because if they're on your, if they're following you for five months or whatever, it's, they're going to, you know, forget about your project. You know, it's, it's one of those things that an email list, you're able to communicate with people and that's kind of a big deal. You know, you've got your Facebook community that you can send people to, a Discord community, a blog, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you're able to communicate. So those things are really important for pre-marketing and they can be outsourced. What cannot be outsourced or should not, one of the things is you. You cannot hire somebody to be you. So you should engage with your community. You should plan on posting to your Facebook group and, you know, maybe even being the one to write the content for emails or, you know, that kind of thing. But do you have anything to say about pre-marketing, Sean? Any, anything to add? One thing I'll add is just in terms of understanding your strengths and weaknesses, it's going to get to a stage where your business is going to grow, become so busy that you will eventually have to do the things that only you can do. And, and we've noticed this in our business, 
you know, we can all do lots, wear lots of different hats, especially you have to do that when you're a small business. But then it gets to a stage where you're so busy that you have to do the things that only you can do. An example would be like cutting the podcast. Sometimes you know, I cut the podcast, but sometimes we have weeks where we're just really busy and I'm, I'm crunched down with you know different things that I have to do. And cutting the podcast can be very challenging, but that's always something we could always outsource to someone else. It'd be better for me to have a meeting with a client that I have a relationship with than spending my time cutting the podcast that I suppose anyone could do. And that's just an example of how you will eventually transition to the things that you don't particularly enjoy, enjoy doing, but you'll, you'll transition to the things that you have to do that only you can do. And that's the nature of just running a business. Right. It's true. And um, I, I remember, you know, when I started this company, I would do literally everything myself. I design the websites, I would do the marketing and I would do the reporting and all of that stuff. And, you know, then when we started the crowdfunding side of the business, I didn't have any, anyone else to help. I would do all of the ads, all of the landing page development and that kind of thing. And billing. Yeah. And it, it became, you know, just, we got busy enough that I'm like, I need help. And uh, Sean came on board and really ended up taking a lot of the creating ads and making sure accounts were managed on a daily basis and, and all of that. And that really freed my time up. I found still 60 hours a week of stuff to do, you know, <laughs> even after I hired Sean, you know, and since then we've hired two others and I just, we're all kind of, you know, we all have things to do, but the, the, I guess the idea is that when you, I, I mean, I, I like that I had to do all of the things so that I could train others and that I could know what to look for and, and all of that. Right. But I, you know, there's another necessity, I guess, is to have the money to be able to hire, you know, before, you know, like for example, to, well, to use me as an example and, and our company, I, we didn't have, you know, in 2019 or 2020, when we started this uh, crowdfunding stuff, we didn't have enough clients to justify hiring somebody else full time. I had to do the things myself and, then when we got the business to, you know, where I just became so busy that I had to bring somebody on board, that was one of the best, you know, I mean, just so critical for my own sanity and it made sense at that time. So, you know, certain things, I guess you should do yourself, but you may eventually outsource as you grow as a, as a publisher, you're going to start to outsource things. A lot of people outsource art and marketing and other things like that. But in the beginning, when it's just you, you should be prepared at least to do all of these things or to, you should know enough about these things so that other vendors or third-party people that, that help you are doing a good job and that you know the difference between a good job and a bad job in each of these areas, right? And that's one of the things, you know, particularly in the pre-marketing that can't be outsourced is that community engagement. So just imagine if Jamie Stegmaier was to do a live stream, but he wasn't a part of it. It was just someone else from Stegmaier Games. You know, I think the fans would really appreciate if Jamie was there and interacting with them and stuff. And even writing blogs, you know, he's a very, he has a very active blog and a lot of people leave comments and things. And if he wasn't personally responding to people in the comments, or if he wasn't even writing the blogs, he outsourced that. I think it would harm his blog because he's got, a certain writing style of personality. He obviously has guest posts and things, but mm -hmm. uh, if he just completely outsourced it, then I think it would harm his brand ultimately. Right. And I, I think that part of, you know, to uh, chime in on outsourcing, because this podcast will probably be a part of a, a written blog that is on Jamie's site. He's 
most certainly going to write some kind of introduction at least so that that his his fans his audience knows you know that this is a guest that i've invited to do or to, to talk about these things and in general they'll probably really appreciate that it's like oh we found an expert to talk about a thing that you know people had questions about so but yeah most certainly so you're gearing up for a kickstarter and you kind of have your we'll just say you have your pre-marketing in hand because we've discussed that um what sorts of things can you outsource we we came up with a bunch of different categories but let's get a little more specific and let's talk about you know just in order that you mentioned let's talk about art first um what can you outsource that would make really i mean all of this is about making your campaign more successful you know and this you know we'll talk about some logistics which is more about making sure that after all is said and done the bank account isn't at a negative amount and that all that all of your products are delivered and that everybody's happy but the art what can people do what you know and let's keep in mind like not a massive massive budget people aren't going to be spending a hundred thousand dollars to you know on their kickstarter campaign unless they're super well established and whatnot what can people do with art that would be effective in graphic design so we spoke to jeremy howard and he's a board game reviewer for man versus meeple and he talked about this three flick <laughs> or three swipe uh, review that he does and i'm sure a lot of other backers do and he really stresses the importance of having a clearly laid out kickstarter page that has great art in its graphic design but is also very succinct very rational and very predictable i suppose having a professional coming on board and helping with the actual design structuring of your page is very helpful one thing i will say though is that a lot of graphic designers are really great at making things look beautiful and well laid out but they have an obsession with using tiny text because it's <laughs> it's you know it's because you can space things nicely with smaller text the problem is is that when you get that on a mobile it's like you can't read it so just be careful with your graphic designer make sure that you test the page on a mobile phone a mobile device so that it's, it's actually legible because a lot of graphic designers have spend a great deal of time making a page look beautiful. It's like, yeah, it looks amazing. You can't read any of yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 so true. You know, and, and oftentimes they're looking at Photoshop or whatever program they're using on a monitor that's like 40 inches wide and, you know, and it just looks fantastic. But yeah, Kickstarter is 680 pixels wide or so in that story area. And GameFound, of course, you know, is it, we'll say similar, um, similar enough. And most of your Kickstarter traffic is going to be from a mobile device, especially if you're sending people using, you know, paid advertising on Facebook or YouTube. The majority of the traffic that you receive from social media is on a mobile device. Yeah, I, I think, you know, other aspects of the Kickstarter page that really add a lot of value are calling out sections using headlines like how to play or game reviews or, you know, uh, download the rule book, things like that. People are going to look for, you know, what's in the box and, uh, all of the other, you know, what, what is this game? You know, just a quick, short, succinct description of what this is. You know, it's a, can you give an example of the game that does this well? So, uh, yeah, so we have a game that's coming out, um, that we've been marketing. It's called the flood. It's, a talks about how, you know, just right in the very at the very top of the story, and this is, um, you know, our podcast typically launches on a Monday, 
I think this one is going to launch like the day after our podcast airs, but we're, you know, I'm just looking at the preview page right now. It's got a really great quote at the very top of the story. It's got a great quote from the dice tower saying, you know, just singing the praises of this game. It, it says the name and it, it uses graphics. It's the flood. It's about like Noah's flood and, you know, building an ark and gathering two of every animal and, and that kind of thing. You know? And collecting resources and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a really cool like engine building game, beautiful looking and fun looking on the table. It's like a really cool looking version of Catan, I think. But um, anyway, so it's, it's um, it, it says what it is right up at the very top, you know, embark on the journey of what took place thousands of years ago, assume the role of Noah, collect mine and trade resources, build your huts, camps and, and the ark. It says how many players it's for the time, the age and, and that sort of thing. I think that that's really succinct. It says what it is. If I like the concept, I will look further. If that theme does not intrigue me, then I will stop. I think that that's important because you're getting the right people to qualify themselves and you're getting the, uh, the other people to disqualify themselves. And so, um, you know, that's, that's really kind of what you want. You want people to, the, the right people to volunteer themselves. Um, then, yeah. So this, this whole three scroll test by Jeremy Howard that you, I need to know generally what the thing, what this product is. Um, it also the, you know, in, in the very top, uh, graphic for the flood, it has, a layout of the actual game itself. So I think that's really important too. And, you know, the, these are not designed... Well, so these uh, 3D components, the, the company that did this one, I believe was Quillsilver Studio uh, with Brenna Noonan and uh, and her team. They worked on things like Everdell and, and whatnot, but um, they do a great job with 3D components. Also, you know, you've got Mesa Game Lab does great 3D components and uh, you've got other vendors that can help you with, with those things, but that's really important. I think that the 3d components in general, the 3d box, the, the tokens and plastic pieces and player boards and the map and board and whatever, those should be, in my opinion, they should be outsourced, you know, unless you happen to have that skill set, and even still, you probably won't make it look as good. And the, you know, just the fact that a game looks really fun and really interesting on the table, I think is going to be a major selling point. Um, so yeah, the, 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 the layout of the Kickstarter page, I should know what it is. I should see that it's been vetted by someone that is professional, you know, the dice tower. We'll talk about reviews later on. I should know the basic stats, what kind of game it is. Is it co-op competitive? Is it a Euro game? Is it, you know, take that and all, all the, uh, the, the essential details. And then, you know, as I scroll down, I may, I may scroll through and look for that how to play section, or I may look through and look to see if my favorite reviewer covered it or, or whatever. I, you should have, again, call outs that say how to play like a huge sec, a huge, simple, very large print on your Kickstarter page that lets people know this is the section that you should stop at, whatever they were interested in. I shouldn't have to hunt for your rule book. I shouldn't have to hunt for the box image and or, or what's in the box. You know, I should I should scroll and it should be so obvious to me. So uh, those are some of the things I think that a graphic designer can really really help with. I personally use Chip Cole from uh, you know his his uh, Squatchy Games is his company's uh, did a great job for for my uh, for deliverance. Um, I know that there are other companies that will do this. We we don't personally design Kickstarter pages. We'll 
look at a Kickstarter page and tell you if it's if it's good or what needs to change. But um, these these companies are some examples that do great graphic design. And a lot of what we do with Facebook ads and email marketing and consulting, we're really taking on parts that allow the creator to invest their time in activities which are more productive. It moves the needle. They can outsource the ads to us. They don't have to think about it. The ads are being optimized. We're testing it. We're working on them. They can then focus on their manufacturing numbers or they can focus on talking to their community or building the landing page or locking down logistic things. Creating stretch goal graphics and updates and all of that. I mean, there are so many things that especially if you have a Kickstarter that is, you know, that ends up hitting really well. I mean, when Deliverance launched, we had 900 comments on the first day and I was completely, I wasn't able to answer them. I wasn't able to worry about my ads. I I was like creating stretch goal graphics because we knocked down so many stretch goals. It was like, oh my goodness, I'm running behind right now. And there were so many people asking questions that I thankfully, you know, I was able to uh, bring in one of my, um, you know, a buddy that actually we ended up hiring, uh, Ryan Williams, um, to help me respond to comments, even if it was just simply, that's a great question. You know, Andrew's going to, Andrew will address that later or whatever, just something so that they felt, felt heard, but the paid advertising it, which is weird. I, I was thankful that I had you Sean, because you kind of managed the, the ad campaign for deliverance, even though I am the ad guy and the i was running that project i just didn't have time to worry about it i was spending you know i i decided to spend it was between 60 to 100 dollars a day on ads and what would have happened if i was managing them would would have been i i wouldn't have looked at them for like a week or two weeks and then finally when i had time i would have looked and you know i just really didn't have the bandwidth to say like is this profitable? What's happening with it? How can I improve it? I mean, there were so many other things that I had to do in addition to, of course, working for, you know, other clients. I, you know, I guess you could say like my day job, which is working for other clients. They're the ones that pay the bills that made running my own paid ad campaigns very, very taxing. And same thing with sending emails. I was having a really hard time. I was writing Kickstarter updates and everything like that, but I found it very difficult myself to also send emails and and you ended up really helping me with that. So I personally found a lot of value in having somebody on my paid advertising as well as emails. That was fantastic. Another thing I would say is outsourcing your web development. We stopped our clients developing their own web web landing pages because there was always problems which always slowed down the, the process of getting their ads up. And we found out that it always impacted the cost per lead because there was some issue that would happen. Their site would load slowly. They would be using a theme that's maybe very clunky and difficult to change. You couldn't couldn't, add a feature that we needed and that would be effective for their campaign. So I think that's really important, outsourcing your web development to people who know how to design a landing page for a board game, who have tried and tested methods and we've sort of fine-tuned it now to a fine art where if we don't design a landing page, I kind of get annoyed because it's, <laughs> it's like so much more work that we have to do to get their ads up and running. Um, like right now we're dealing with a client who's like, their page looked good, 
but it's loading really slowly. And I don't know, don't know why I've told them to like test it. I told them to, you know, they've said they've optimized the images for, for the web page, but it's impacting their cost per lead because their page just isn't loading quickly. So people are hitting the ads mm -hmm. because the ads look great and the art of the game is great, but then the page isn't loading mm -hmm. and then they're just, they're jumping out and like they've got a horrible conversion rate on their landing page simply because of that reason. So there's certain things which you it might be you might think oh I, I could do that but then it'd probably be best if you actually outsourced it to to someone who has done it a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, just kind of finishing out this list here. So we talked about consulting. There are people like uh, one that comes to the top of mind is Jonathan Gilmore, for example. I uh, have some of his games on my shelf. One is Dead of Winter that I absolutely love. He, you know, people like that will consult with you, you know, for like an hourly thing. And I think that one type of consultant that is so valuable is a logistics consultant, somebody that will spend. So you've got, you know, guys like Jonathan Gilmore can do game design. If they've worked on fulfilling games, I personally use Kirk Dennison of Peacekeeper Games to do a lot of, I do a lot of logistics consulting with Kirk. Now, actually he works uh, for Thunderworks. So uh, he doesn't really have as much time to consult to my never-ending sadness now. A consultant will really, really help you in certain areas. I find manufacturing actually is an area that you can really find a lot of great ways to save cost before you go to Kickstarter. If you put together your manufacturing you know, list of, of the items you need, the quantities and whatnot, if you get a quote from a manufacturer, uh, you know, like I'm using Longpack Games, they'll do their best to quote accurately, give you suggestions and things. They'll ask good questions, but they won't really optimize your quote. They don't understand what how your game works, what components are in there and why and so on. But a good consultant that, you know, has experience in manufacturing and also in game design can tell you, hey, you know, can you, you know, maybe here are these cardboard components. Can you combine them to a larger board? Maybe you need to increase the, the height of your box or the width of your box, or maybe turn your box from a rectangle into a square because of this, that, or the other. And you can save money that way. More than one campaign I've, I've worked on have really benefited from consultants. And one of the most frustrating things is when a creator will come to us for, you know, they, they're like, hey, we want to hire you guys for marketing. And we, one of the first things we ask them about is their manufacturing and their shipping. Do you have these things figured out? And a lot of the time, the answer is no. So we'll send them uh, recommendations to shipping companies. You've got ShipQuest in the UK and EU, Happy Shops in the EU, Aetherworks in um, Australia. You've got Quartermaster Logistics or Fun Again. in, uh, And then also there's Bridge Fulfillment, uh, I believe, Bridge 6, I can't remember, uh, in the US. You've got... A lot of different uh, companies around. You've got VFI Asia. Gosh, you've got Send from China. The different um, organizations that will help with uh, fulfillment that you should absolutely contact. But the manufacturing, though, is something that you know you should get multiple manufacturing quotes and everything like that. But you should really figure out your numbers so that you can price your offer correctly. So we have convention attendance. So I suppose this is very similar to the community creator engagement, you can outsource certain companies that can represent you at conventions and you know, play your games and things like that. But ideally, it'd be great if you, you could do it. Obviously, you can only be in one place at a time. So there probably is an opportunity to outsource some of that. But I know, Andrew, 
when you were marketing deliverance, you had great, you had a great experience of meeting some of the people who were on your mailing list and basically fans and yep. being able to play your game with them. And it's a, it's a whole different experience. Yeah. You know, the convention attendance is just a, well, first of all, I definitely think that you should be at your own booth. If you rent, if you get a booth at a convention, or even if you're not getting a booth, but you are going to a convention to play test your game and to get fans and email subscribers for your game and that sort of thing. Like Gen Con, they have the, what they call the first exposure play test hall, I think is what it's called. And you, uh, just sit at a table, lay your game out, and wait for players to come and sit down and you know or ask what about your game and that kind of thing. That should be you uh, definitely talking to those people by playing your game with people, you will learn what what they think is cool. And oftentimes, you know uh, what they think is cool about your game. And oftentimes that is going to be different than what you thought was cool. So your, what your target market likes about your product is, what you should be speaking about, you know, when you're in your booth, when you're putting together ads for Facebook, or when you're putting together a playthrough video, talk about the things that your playtesters thought were great. The only way that you can do that or that you can learn those things is if you personally are involved. So the convention attendance, I think that that's really, it's all about you as the centerpiece there. And, you know, for me, I, you know, with Deliverance, I had, you know, you can't really run a booth by yourself. It's not easy. You, you have to be able to give yourself a bathroom break or have lunch or run out and get water if you need it. And the, uh, you'll, or otherwise you'll just probably just drop dead eventually, like day two or three, you'll be done. You won't have a voice left. So it'll be very helpful if you build your, your, you know, your marketing or if you, if you uh, build your email list and you generate fans and you talk to them in your Facebook community and that kind of thing, you can invite them to, sh- you know, to help you and volunteer their time to run your booth with you. And I think that that's actually one of the best ways to meet your fans. And, you know, really, you know, the whole idea behind an email list, every email on that list represents a different person, you know, for the most part. Sometimes people subscribe at their spam email and they're like, oh, I like this. So they actually give you their legit email. But for the most part, each email represents a different person. Those people each have a budget. They have, you know, their personal relationships and they have, you know, their, the way they feel about your product. And the more that you invest into those people, the more you involve those people and ask for their feedback. And, you know, and especially, I mean, every single person that, that volunteered their time because they loved Deliverance, my my game, every single one of those people went all in when it came time for for or more. You know, we had a pledge level at like fifteen hundred dollars for uh, what we call the Archangel Investor, and we sold out of all of those within like you know uh, I think it was eight minutes or nine minutes that we sold out of all of all seven of those pledges. Um, and every single one of those people were involved beforehand with me doing stuff, running a booth or volunteering for something else. And uh, it's just amazing what, how, how much other, your fans will do for you if you involve them, if you, if you ask for help and they volunteer and you take them up on the offer, that is great. I mean, you're basically friends. You're at that point, you're just kind of, you know, instead of you being the boss and them being your subordinates, you are, you're able to express the passion that you have for uh the prod that your product together you know you're both fans 
of of this particular game and in that way you you really build close relationships and get those people i don't know excited about your products what you were saying was getting that other perspective is very helpful it's actually vital what comes to mind is when we were marketing the bad commerce the curse of the zodiac on the tipperu system we were at the beginning of the campaign we're focusing very much on the game itself the game runs on this basically a board game console which has all these really cool features what we found out with with all the reviewers that were coming out they kept on talking about the features of the console itself not the game so near the end of the campaign, we actually switched the messaging from the game, which is about finding, you know, these Zodiac characters that are trying to destroy the world. We switched from that to that features of the console, that it has safe states, that it's plug in and play, that there's no rule book. And these things did way better. So that's an example of where we listened to the community, what they were saying, what they liked about the game, and then we just used that in our marketing. And and we saw a drastic improvement in our marketing efforts. So it's vital that you do, you're, you're personally involved in that interfacing with your community, you understand your community, and that you're able to speak their language and hit their pressure points. Definitely, definitely. And a lot of this can come through just the, you know, we, we kind of uh, hinted at it before when, when we were talking about conventions and whatnot, but playtesting. Uh, you should be intimately involved in the playtesting of your game, and it should be very well playtested before you go to Kickstarter. If you don't do a good job playtesting, it will be very evident on the Kickstarter page. You know, in most cases, or it you know it will be evident after the Kickstarter ends and then takes four years to fulfill because the the game needed to change so much to make it awesome. After you know, the, you want to have the people that that get it that you want them to have a great experience and talk about it positively and that sort of thing. And so just make sure it's, it's ready for, for Kickstarter. Right. But the, the side effect of playtesting and you being a part of it is that you learn what people really liked and you, you know, you need to absolutely ask for feedback and that kind of thing. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't outsource playtesting to uh, you know, but the way that you do it really matters. You need to keep an ear to the ground for feedback during your playtesting so that you can, of course, improve your game and, and that sort of thing. But also, you need to learn what people find awesome about your game or what they feel like it's really missing. Or it, I wish that, you know, these these systems would interact more together and, you, you know, you learn either how to make it better or what to really focus on and feature. So, for example, with Deliverance, because, you know, we play, tested thousands of games of Deliverance over, you know, by now, probably about, I want to say you know, maybe 1500 games, but, you know, between all of my playtesters and myself, you know, and all the conventions and that sort of thing. Uh, I thought that the angels, so it's a game about angels and demons and, and um, that sort of thing. And you play angels. And I thought it was really cool. Like the design of the angels, the art, the fact that the angels were like six inches tall, you know, on the, on the actual board and that kind of thing. I thought that was really cool. And actually I remember playing with Sam Healy of uh, formerly of the dice tower. And he was like, I really, really like how all my actions are on this card right in front of me. And he pointed to the angel card and, you know, I have, you have five different actions you can do as your, you know, whatever character you're playing. And that's what he pointed out. And this was at Gamma in like 2020. So it's about a year and a half before we went to Kickstarter. And I realized that's right. Like there are a lot of games that are kind of skirmish dungeon crawl type games that 
have, you know, you have these special actions, but also you have the five regular actions or whatever, not listed on your character card and uh, confuses people. So the fact that my game had all of that self-contained, I didn't realize that that was a useful thing. And that actually built us quite a lot of goodwill when I started to uh, share that, you know, that all that you don't have to constantly consult the rule book, but that all of the rules in essence are explained on the card itself. So that, that became something that we really, uh, it was one of our major selling points for, for our game when we launched. Jumping back to things which should or can be outsourced. One thing that should be outsourced is your taxes. You want to get an accountant because who likes doing taxes? I always feel like the government makes taxes purposefully complicated so that you have to employ an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> We're creating jobs, you know? Uh, yeah. And it's probably someone in government who's like, yeah, my cousin, he's a, he got, he got a job as an accountant. So let's pass some laws to make this as difficult as possible. Yeah. <laughs> to, to give him some work. Yeah. So in, in particular, you know, when, when we say accounting, you know, we're talking about bookkeeping. Uh, so you should definitely know, especially as a business, you should know your numbers. You should record your numbers. You might think that, that, that they don't really matter for now and that you can just, you know, keep track of what you're spending on the bank account and that kind of thing. But it's just not, it's not going to go well for you. If you do that, you should have a bookkeeper. A lot of the time people try to track their own books um, which is okay for a time, uh, but you really, it's one of the first things that I personally outsourced for my company was the bookkeeping. I just needed to make sure it kept getting done month after month. And in board games, accrual basis accounting is the idea is, you know, you make, for, you know, for us with deliverance or, or actually distilled, you know, right at the same time we ran distilled deliverance and Oros all in the same month. And that was really fun. But Distilled made six hundred thousand dollars or five hundred fifty nine thousand dollars, and uh, that was their the uh, Dave Beck's first project, fantastic project, and he made all that money, and now it's one uh, almost one year later uh, since he uh, finished his campaign. If he did a traditional accounting method, he would have reported five hundred fifty nine thousand dollars of income, or you know, right about uh, I guess. $500,000 after Kickstarter takes its pound of flesh and Stripe fees and whatnot. Uh, he would have reported half a million dollars of income and almost no expenses. So accrual basis accounting makes it so that you don't get taxed a crazy amount, but that you get to factor in the manufacturing costs and the shipping, the freight and fulfillment costs before you actually have your tax bill. And that's a really big deal when you're crowdfunding and you're making a large amount of money in you know one one month or rather in one year, and then your manufacturing bill doesn't come until the following year, and then your fulfillment and you know shipping and whatnot, all those expenses, they don't come until the following year, or maybe even the year after that. The accrual basis accounting allows for you to record. Revenue as you record expenses. And uh, I probably butchered that in some way because I'm not an accountant and I outsource that. And I would highly recommend outsourcing that personally right from the very beginning. So for the average creator, somebody that is going to Kickstarter and says, hey, I have a finite budget. I need to outsource certain things, but I also need to do a lot, you know, and this person is is ready to take on the business responsibilities and the whatever they need to do in order to you know make it work what do you usually see outsourced 
Sean? Well, I suppose because we we work as an agency, we obviously see people outsourcing Facebook ad management and, and email marketing and consulting. But one thing that we didn't actually cover, which people should need to think about, is outsourcing rule book review and copy editing to make sure that there is no typos, grammar, mistakes in your rule book or in your you know, any of your game components. That's that's key, you know, because once it goes to print, you can't change it. So you want to make sure that everything is is great. But back to your question, again, depending on people's budgets, if they have the budget, I, I would recommend them outsourcing their marketing so that they can focus on that community engagement. Because the, the goal of the marketing is to get people into your lounge, and it's your job to talk to the people in your lounge. So if you're having to like stand on the street and say, Hey, come into my house and let's chat about board <laughs> games, it's it's gonna you're gonna have less time to talk to the people in the lounge. That's if that analogy makes sense. <laughs> I like that. Instead of a community, it's now a lounge. The crowdfunding nerds community Facebook group is going to be the crowdfunding nerds lounge. Really lounge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um you have to smoke a pipe. Yes. I, I agree with that. I do see so as far as like paid advertising, most often, so what I'll do, I, I kind of explain I, I um tend to sell a lot or rather consult sales, you know, for, for new prospective clients and they they ask, you know, what do I need? And we explain the that virtuous cycle concept earlier. We need the landing page, Facebook, uh, a Facebook group or Discord community, we need an email list and email marketing. A lot of the time somebody will end up hiring us, you know, so the, the question is not, are you going to do this? It's who is going to send emails? Who is going to yeah. do the Facebook ads? Who is going to build the landing page? And um, for our creators, a lot of the time they hire us to do the landing page and run Facebook ads, but they oftentimes will take email marketing because, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe we would be able to do a little bit better of a job. Um, we do, you know, a lot of these, but that's a great way that they can save money. They can also, you know, learn the ropes and, and do it themselves. And if they have a problem, they can always outsource later, right? That's one thing oftentimes I see people taking on, uh, depending on how busy they are, it's really like a cost versus benefit. You know, if, if we take on their email marketing or not, you know, if it's, if they have the budget and they see the merit, then it's a lot of time. They, they'll do that. Um, uh, but a lot of the time, review videos and Kickstarter videos are always outsourced. So we recommend you definitely need an at least one high-quality third-party reviewer to review your game. And this might even be a preview video that doesn't offer an opinion. I know a lot of uh, reviewers, for example, like Dice Tower or certain certain people will give you their opinion. Like Rado, a lot of the time will give his opinion on a game. And uh, usually he's, it's, it's a, a game that he likes because he screens certain games. You know, he's not going to uh, review a game that he doesn't think he'll like. Certain people will give their feedback and others will just explain the game and the components and let their viewers their, their viewers decide, you know, like man versus meeple or, or man versus meeple or dice tower. They're going to explain the, the game and how it works. When you get a reviewer they're they're oftentimes, you know, maybe they'll inject their opinion, you know, but, but they're definitely going to explain how the game works for their audience. So their audience can make a decision 
as to if you know whether or not this game is a good fit for them, you know whether they should back it. Their their goal is oftentimes to inform rather than to persuade. So you really want one high quality, I'll say like an A list or you know a top tier reviewer to review your game. This is really um, what we call hygiene factors. It's something that will hurt you if you don't have something like that. Um, so the Dice Tower or Quackalope or Man vs. Meeple, um, there, there are a number of them out there that will review your games that have a lot of you know pretty solid following. I would recommend you have at least one of those, and that costs money. Those people are well worth their time. They're really undercharging, and uh, you know it's mm-hmm. not like they make uh, tons and tons the of money. The amount of work they put in. Right, yeah. And then, you know, your Kickstarter video, you should have a third-party company. Mesa Game Lab is is our go-to referral for things like that. You know, Kickstarter videos and GIFs and things like that. Those are almost always outsourced. And then lastly, graphic design for a Kickstarter page. What I find is, and I did this myself, I had a graphic. Uh, so my my graphic artist is Chip Cole. He um, set up set me up with, with titles and other things and... I have the Photoshop files that I was able to edit. So if I needed a different title for, you know, I have like how to play, maybe I want to change how to play into something else, uh, you know, playthrough videos, I can, I could do that. So I could create my own titles using the graphic design files that they set up. So kind of have an understanding of Photoshop now because I've been working with a graphic artist and it saves a lot of money when I can just make the change myself instead of asking uh, somebody else to do it who's going to charge me for their time. Um, I'm able to do things faster and just save money. So a lot of the time uh, you can get a graphic uh, artist to set up the, the overall page structure and, you know, give you the files that they, you know, layered files so that you can customize things. And, you know, that's, I think uh, made a pretty big difference for me. And a lot of people, I, I see a lot of people do it that way. Uh, definitely need to outsource logistics and and whatnot you know, the logistics and fulfillment is really important. I would definitely recommend working with uh, fulfillment partners like ShipQuest. They actually can also be your VAT registered agent. So they can handle the VAT taxes for you. I know a lot of the time people will, um, you know, they'll say, oh, I don't want to sell into the EU because of the headache of, of VAT. And yeah, and getting VAT registered can be quite costly. So the fact that they already have that status is pretty beneficial. Yeah. So and and I know that GameFound is actually working on collecting VAT within their their pledge manager and their as as a crowdfunding campaign or a, a crowdfunding. I don't know. Uh, you can run a crowdfunding campaign on GameFound, and it will collect VAT during the live campaign. I think is what they're working on. Uh, hopefully that helps. You know, a lot of the, a lot of people asking about outsourcing and i know that you know hopefully uh this is very helpful for uh jamie stegmeyer's fans and you know the those that those game designers looking to go to kickstarter this podcast is going to be paired with an article on stonemeyergames.com their blog they'll be um releasing an article we'll make sure to include it in the show notes when it is released but uh we will be answering questions there and your questions there or for us, you know, if you go to crowdfundingnerds.com, you can ask questions, uh, send us messages. We get every one of them and we'll respond to you individually, but also we may be inspired for a future podcast. And not video game. Yeah. Love doing that stuff. And if you want to chat about potentially uh, working together, then we can do that. 
just go to crowdfundingnerds.com and you know fill out a contact form there. Rick is lost in the desert, but he is going to send us out anyway. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. For more resources, articles, and to listen to past podcasts, please visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next week. Stay nerdy. Ha <laughs> <laughs>